You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. We're here for you every day of the week, wherever you want us. On tonight's podcast, there are a couple of topics I wanted to get through. Uh, one of them is the biggest one that we'll start off with first regarding the Jets and Kevin Shovel Day off. And then after that, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the standings updates from around the league, check in on some of the divisions, see how teams like the Seattle Kraken are doing, and kind of start to look ahead as we are just around eight or nine games into the season for most teams. Kicking off with the uh, the major piece of news, though, Kevin Sheveldayoff has actually uh, met with Bettman and Chipman at the same time, and the decision was made not to punish Sheveldayoff. This, for a lot of folks, is going to be a very difficult decision to process. I myself am, am having a lot of trouble with it. I feel like Sheveldayoff should still make the right choice and end up resigning from his position, but I doubt he will. I've seen a lot of people say that he technically didn't do anything wrong that they could see and that were against the rules. In fact, he might have been maybe a symptom of, of a system that is designed to shield these powerful people and ultimately protect that hierarchical structure. So in some ways, Shovel Day Off, he, he was like a product of the system, but by the same token, you also have to think about him as a rational human being, oftentimes a self-interested one, and you would have to ask yourself, did he actually do enough in his position and his authority and as a human being with the knowledge that he had? And in my mind, I, I really struggle to say anywhere near yes. I feel like he kept quiet for so long. Um, you know, it, it's one thing that if, if your superiors told you, we're taking care of it, things will be fine, don't worry about it. We're going to we're gonna make sure that it, it doesn't happen again, we're going to take care of the problem, and we're going to, to go through the right channels. And then that was apparently the end of it for Sheffield Day Off. And for me, it just seems odd, because if you knew that there were unwanted sexual advances, even at, at the bare minimum, right? Sexual harassment. Uh, not even the assaults that were later revealed. Would you have not felt odd or uncomfortable about the way it went down? It sounded like Shovel Day Off actually did not like this particular coach. I, I don't know if it was Chevy that said this or somebody else, but um, one of the, the staff members of the team or one of the players said that Aldrich was a strange person, a very weird guy. So it was obvious that there were strange vibes with him, and it wasn't like he was somebody that people weren't familiar with. The guy apparently set off some worrying flags for folks. Um, and sometimes you really do have to trust your gut around people. I'm not sure if Shovel Dayoff had the same uh, analysis or even really had any sort of contact with Aldrich, but there are some curious things that I've seen people talking about. I know that a lot of people said, well, he's the assistant GM. His authority is limited. And within the organization, that is true. Uh, you know, oftentimes you'll report up and your part in the whole process however minimal, is is still mostly as an observer or a, a an assistant for anything that the GM might ask you to do. 
That said, I, I always contend that Shevel Dayoff was still important enough to be in the meeting for some reason, so I don't know why he was included. Maybe it was because Bowman was looking for some kind of additional counseling in this situation. If that's the case, then Shevel Dayoff has not really revealed that he took part in the counseling at all. Most of the other accounts don't indicate that he really had a role in the decision-making, so in his testimony it sounds like he didn't say anything about that either. That part might be true. And so now it comes down to what you believe is right and wrong and what you think the Jets should do as an organization that constantly preaches about being respectful, um, holding high standards, being ethical. And we all know that pro sports franchises don't even approach that. Uh, stuff like ethics and morality and, and things like that when it comes to hockey teams especially, you know, kind of a joke. But even still, when you have the opportunity to do the right thing and you still walk away from it, I'm... I'm struggling with that as a Jets fan and as somebody who just feels for Kyle Beach and all of the victims involved in this case. We only know a couple of victims. We've only heard a, you know, one or two different accounts. There may be a lot more that haven't come forward. And so I, I just don't really know what to think of it anymore. I don't know what the Jets are going to do. We know that the Jets are just going to keep on keeping on for the time being. Uh, Blake Wheeler is apparently on the return and he actually was asked about this whole situation and he didn't really respond much except to say that uh, you know, he had leaned on Chevy previously, and that Chevy had been gracious to him, and that was kind of the end of it. Uh, and it was, it didn't quite have the same feeling as some of the people who were like, oh, this Stan Bowman, he was not the person um, that that I knew, this is not him. It was more like, you know, Wheeler wasn't ready to throw him under the bus yet, which was interesting. It was a different approach than some of the other players have had. I still don't like trying to point out somebody's really great qualities when they're currently under investigation. I think the safest response is just to be pretty neutral and say, you know, we all know Shovel Day Off uh, at, at the level that we do, and we're just waiting for the investigation to continue to reveal the facts. So that, for me, would have been more neutral instead of trying to portray and, and sway the opinion on somebody. Um, but obviously the, the stuff is already done. And then later today, uh, the Jets released a statement from Kevin Shovel Day Off, and it it was so bad that honestly, they probably just shouldn't have put it out to begin with. I'm not really going to bother showing it or talking about it. If you want to look it up, it's on their Twitter account. But suffice it to say, it's embarrassingly bad. Most people are asking why there's no apology to Beach, but in that respect, I do understand, legally speaking, uh, the Jets can't be seen apologizing because then that would indicate guilt in a, a civil or a lawsuit. So um, obviously that's not going to happen. But for my part, I was just really upset that Half the statement was basically thanking Bettman for allowing the Jets to kind of clear the air and, and go through this process, rather than how the team might work to improve the situation and really change the culture of hockey. You don't have to lay out like a 10-point plan or something, but at least show that you know your, your main focus is on how can we fix things from here. Because Chevy, whether you think he's really guilty of anything or not, was still a part of the case no matter what. He was a witness to all of that testimony, and so he will always have that attached to him for the rest of his life. He bears a measure of responsibility, and I thought it would have been a very good thing for him to say something like, you know, I, I want to work on how we can fit, help fix things and improve upon it, but, you know, we're not really seeing that at all, so... I have no idea if Chevy is really upset about this. I don't know if he feels any remorse. Maybe he doesn't even think he's really guilty. Either way, it's just a very complex situation. And as a Jets fan, I, I feel this is one of the lowest points I've felt in my fandom. I, I don't really know how to continue supporting the team as normal. In fact, I can't. 
Um, and obviously this is not going to, to stop me podcasting or watching it. I'm still going to report this stuff and tell you what's going on with Winnipeg. But at a personal level, this has probably been one of the hardest things for me to deal with. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. So if ever you want to reach out about it, be sure to let me know at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. My DMs are always open if you want to reach out. For now, that's probably going to be the last I talk about this unless a major case development pops up. If you want more information on the situation with uh, Chicago and the other teams, make sure to listen to Locked On Blackhawks, Locked On Crosscheck, Locked On Panthers, and Locked On NHL as they continue their incredible coverage. For now, though, we are going to move on to some of the uh, the standings from around the league and take a look at which teams can continue to perform at a really high level, which teams might be fading a bit, and which teams are surprising for various reasons. Before we talk about that, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. It is now time to check around the league and see what exactly has been going on for a lot of these teams. Uh, Obviously the season continues to roll on. Uh, You know, a lot of teams are really fighting for an early lead in some of their divisions. A couple of really big surprises, some of them uh, positive surprises, some of them less uh, less glamorous. We'll start off first with the Eastern Conference, which has a lot of really good teams, and almost all of them look like they are in the Metro Division. The Metro this year is just an absolute, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It's got one of the deepest groupings of really good to decent teams in the entire league, and honestly, it's really hard to pick which team is actually going to end up winning this division. At the top, we have Carolina with uh, seven straight wins, 14 points, and a plus 20 goal differential, and they continue to win in style. I mean, this is a really strong team with great away and home form. Uh, They've conceded a lot fewer opportunities. Frederick Anderson seems to be doing pretty decently behind a really good defense. Overall, Carolina, again, another strong roster with a a, a pretty good coaching system and a number of excellent players like Aho, Svechnikov, and company. So that should be a really dangerous team to face in the postseason. They still need to work on getting through the first couple of rounds, but if they continue their current pace, they look like they could be cup favorites this year. Obviously, it is way too early to be saying anything like that. It's just seven games in for them, but already we see Carolina just doing what they usually do during the regular season. They're a strong team. They always excel at this time of year. They will, in all likelihood, be in the top two of this division for most of the season. So, yeah, the Canes, good squad. Coming after them are the uh, the Washington Capitals, and Washington, again, is starting off the season in very strong form. A couple of overtime defeats over the past couple of games, but nothing that I think would really concern them. They have been outscoring their opponents at a pretty healthy clip, plus 11 goal differential. Uh, they're currently 5-0-3, so 
you know, no actual regulation losses, which if you're the Caps, you take that all day. They're still without center Nick Backstrom, so again, this lineup isn't even at full strength yet. Their defense looks improved over the past uh, couple of games. Their offense behind Evgeny Kuznetsov and Alexander Ovechkin just continues to eat people alive. This is one of the top teams to beat, and it'll be curious to see if their postseason form is the same, because if they are this good and they're for real, Washington might actually be a true contender again. They haven't been for the past couple of seasons, but now they actually look like they might be the real deal. After those two, you have a very interesting list. You've got the Rangers, then the Flyers, Pittsburgh, Columbus, the Islanders, and New Jersey. And the difference between 1st and 8th in the division is only 8 points, which sounds like a lot, relatively speaking, but in terms of the Devils being at the bottom, they've actually played 2 less games in Carolina, so, you know, pending their record after those couple of games that they make up, they might actually be a lot closer than it seems. Everyone is currently above 500 in points percentage, which is pretty rare to see in a division. Almost every division has at least a couple of teams that are well below that line. But somehow the Metro just continues to stay above it by a pretty decent clip. It's kind of amazing you don't often see that even a few games in. And we know that Pittsburgh has had like an unbelievable injury crisis. So that team is very far from its best. And even still, it's uh, it's, it's sitting at a 3-2-2 two, two record, which that's pretty crazy. The Islanders are kind of trying to round into form. They're 3-2-1. The Devils are 3-2. Uh, Philadelphia, another surprising team, 4-1-1. The Flyers are one of those squads that I think has a lot of dark horse potential. I don't know if they're going to go back to their really conservative style in the playoffs, which has, you know, it's been a bit of a problem for them in the past under Vigneault, but if they can kind of get away from that, they will be dangerous again. The Rangers are 5-2-1. I think that they are a lot looser and a lot less stable, I would say. They're a team that's still rebuilding, and I think they have a lot of work to do, so I probably wouldn't get my hopes up for them just quite yet. But if nothing else, a nice start to the season for them. I'm sure uh, Shesterkin and Net is getting plenty of work. And uh, if the Rangers kind of squeak in through a wild card spot, they could be an annoying team to face. The Atlantic Division right now is currently led by Florida, Buffalo, and Detroit, which if you asked me which teams would be at the top three spots, uh, aside from the Panthers, I don't think I would have said any of those other teams. Buffalo is 5-1-1 one, and, one, and actually looks like it's playing pretty good hockey. The Red Wings are mostly just kind of trying to outscore their defensive issues. It's it's not exactly a recipe for success, I would say. They've been conceding a ton of opportunities and a ton of goals. But, you know, a couple of games into the season, you're 4-2-2. and two, It's not the worst place to be. It gives the fans some optimism heading into the future while other teams like Toronto and, and Montreal and Boston try to sort out their earlier issues. Toronto especially, they have not been particularly great. Tampa Bay also dealing with some early struggles. They've conceded a crapload of goals relative to what you would expect from them. Vasilevsky and the defense have really struggled, but this is the lightning. It's really hard to bet against them. And uh, once Kucherov comes back, a very scary team. The Sabres, though, I think are still probably the, the biggest surprise in the East. I don't think anyone expected them to be this defensively sound. I don't know if it's going to last the whole year or even the next couple of months, but for the time being, Buffalo looks pretty decent. In just a moment, we'll peek over at the uh, the Western Conference and see how the Central and Pacific Divisions are doing. But before we forge on ahead, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. 
Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at standings from around the NHL. A couple of interesting things from the Eastern Conference we saw. Now it's time to take a look at the Western Conference, which honestly is a lot harder to figure out. One of the biggest shocks this year is that the Colorado Avalanche are currently 3-4, and four, and uh, honestly, they have not been super good. They are uh, conceding lots of goals and lots of scoring opportunities against with some really bad defensive play, some lazy stuff. And honestly, I think the uh, the loss of Grubauer, I don't think really was the, like the primary culprit, but Darcy Kemper has not really filled the void with any sort of high-level play. The expectation was that Kemper would actually step in for Gruby and be a significant upgrade, but to be honest, hasn't really worked out that way. So Colorado is still trying to figure things out. I think long-term they should be fine. They've got a very good roster, uh, lots of really fun players, McKinnon, Byram, you know, plenty of great, great talents. You know, obviously, McCarr is going to be a, a major contributor on the back end. I expect them to rebound at some point. Um, in the Pacific Division, one of the other big surprises has been Vegas. Uh, they are currently 3-4, and four, and defensively, they're kind of a train wreck. The Knights aren't really built to defend deep inside their own zone for long stretches of time. They like to defend more through transitional offense, getting up and down the ice, creating counters, and trying to keep possession out of their own end. If they have to defend deep inside their own zone, it tends to be really chaotic and a lot of uh, a lot of scoring chances against. Uh, Robin Lerner has not been able to keep a lot of pucks out. Same with Persuade. They're both struggling. So, uh, you know, Vegas actually has some real stuff to sort out before they hit the playoffs. They might actually miss the postseason if this trend continues for most of the year. I, f- I think it's one of those things that I don't expect to keep being a problem, but you never know. Speaking of the Pacific Division, at the top is currently the Calgary Flames. They are 5-1-1, one, and, one, and they actually look pretty well-rounded. I think Andrew Mangiapane's major emergence this year has been a big, uh, big boost for the team. And then the fact that they also play in a super weak division has given them a nice leg up in moving up the standings very quickly. Behind them are Edmonton and San Jose. San Jose I'm actually not super shocked by. I think that they are better than people imagine them to be. Uh, and they are still working through a rebuild process. There's a lot going on with that team, but the young talents that are starting to filter in... They look like they might actually be pretty good and and certainly major contributors to this team in the far future. They've hit a few snags recently with a couple of lost games, which I think is uh, obviously a minor setback. This team is not expected to win all that many games to begin with, so, you know, at some point if they start going through some rougher waters, I don't think anyone would really blame them. This team is still very much needing lots of draft prospects, kind of rebuilding from the ground up, and starting to phase out some of their older veterans. The Kraken are hot on their heels, and Seattle is actually starting to turn their form around. After a rough first couple of games, it seems like Seattle might be on the on the mend and certainly playing much better hockey as of late, so they could be a surprise playoff appearance this year. I still thought that they were going to be in the top three based on the Pacific being pretty weak, and on paper Seattle being not that terrible. If they can get to the dance, I do think that they are going to be a pain to play, especially on the road. In the Central Division, things are kind of uh, funky right now. You've got St. Louis in first by a pretty healthy margin uh, in terms of, like, goal differential. Behind them is Minnesota. Uh, The Wild are super inconsistent. I think that they have the potential to be a really great team, 
but there's a lot for them to work on, and it's very similar to the team behind them in Winnipeg. Both of these teams have some very clear weaknesses. Minnesota at even strength at times just kind of forgets to play, and Winnipeg's PK right now is a huge sore spot. So uh, both the Jets and the Wild are, are very, I would say, fringy kind of teams. They're going to be in the top running for this division just because right now there aren't that many teams behind them that are really great or competitive. So the Central Division this year might be one of the weakest in the league. We'll see if that changes as the season rolls on and uh, Colorado, if they recover and, and maybe Nashville starts to improve as well, there could be some, some signs of real competitiveness at the top. But for now, it's looking like one of the weaker divisions this year. So we'll have to track that as the year rolls on. On our next episode, I'll talk about uh, what Winnipeg does on their game tomorrow against San Jose. It seems like the NHL is really loading up in uh, like a heavy Pacific Division schedule to start off the season, which I guess makes sense. You want to limit their travel as much as possible. We'll talk about that game on tomorrow's episode since I uh, wasn't actually feeling super good this uh, this past Monday and had to skip. I will have our makeup episode tomorrow. Be sure to listen for it. We'll have the Jets coverage and talk about what exactly Winnipeg did on one of the last games of its Pacific trip. That is going to do it for tonight's episode, though. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Conlon leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so go follow and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!